Hello, and welcome to the first episode in our series on Reimagining Capital Projects, a podcast that will explore the impact of evolving technology, its challenges and opportunities on the construction and capital project sector. The series will be hosted by myself, Ona Merku, and Colin Mann, both engineers and digital consultants within PwC's capital projects practice. Today, we'll be discussing the role of technology disruption, and I'm delighted to say that we're joined by Paul Wilkinson, a writer and one of the UK's leading authorities on construction collaboration technologies. So, Paul, it's a year since the Farmer Review, entitled Modernise or Die, was published. What is the state of the technology climate within capital projects currently? Mark Farmer um, diagnosed a number of symptoms um, that were causing problems in the industry. Fragmentation, low productivity, poor predictability, low collaboration. But things are slowly beginning to change. Um, last year, not only was about the farmer review, but it also saw the final rush to comply with the UK government's uh, building information modelling mandate in April. And digitisation is well underway in many businesses. Um, but it's not just about digitisation, it's about rethinking how we deliver projects. Ch uh, Mark Farmer, for example, has been championing off-site fabrication and we're seeing developments in the water industry and highways projects and in London the mayor has been pushing modular building only last month in August he invested 25 million pounds of Londoners money in a developer using modular construction to build a thousand new affordable homes yeah so I agree I think with with projects like that with the BIM mandate and, and what types of reviews like Mark Farmer, I, I do think things are starting to change. I think for me, it's the pace that is particularly frustrating. And, and it seems strange in an, in an industry full of engineers and, and technical people who, who want to see change. I think when you look at events like October's Digital Construction Week, we'll, we'll see something very different there, a, a real picture that presents huge technology and innovation and digital development in the industry. So for me, I think it's an issue around genuine adoption. I think it's about benefit realization and really starting to see some firms emerge and gain competitive advantage through tech. Yeah, that's, in, that's interesting. Um, so the, the, the BIM point is really relevant, um, and it's one of those technologies that's really been embraced by the industry. Um, Paul, how, how can we take this further? I think we need to take it further by looking beyond the technology. Um, the mandate was about what we could do with existing technologies, but also existing contracts, existing ways of procuring, insurances, intellectual property. Achieving a step change is going to involve much more radical changes in these soft areas and clients need to be thinking with their supply chains about adopting whole life cost approaches to delivering built assets. Yeah, and Colin, what's your view on BIM? Well, yes, certainly I agree with Paul. I think um, obviously the BIM programme was really designed to enhance collaboration in the industry and many of those common data environments that existed at the time of the mandate are really starting to develop and, and move beyond simple compliance. I think as an example, one thing I, I think we need to see is, is those software packages really starting to embrace the, the sole traders in the industry. For a sole trader, it should feel like um, using an app on their smartphone to interact with, with one of those environments. It should be as easy as that, really. Um, but again, like Paul, I, I don't think it's all about the technology either. Um, you know, those technology developments have to come hand in hand with changes in, in procurement approach, changes in culture. These things are known there, and, that, and, that, and that's the good thing. The BIM Test Group and others are really working to drive those cultural issues as well. Yeah, and one of those issues I feel that that's really struggling within the industry is the predictability of projects and predictably within the construction sector. What can we do to improve this, Colin, uh, within capital projects? Yeah, unfortunately, I think predictability is an issue that's going to 
persist, particularly for smaller firms. I, I think the issue here really is that um, because these smaller firms can't predict their their workload, it it's a real detractor from fixed term investment, fixed cost investment, and so um, as a result, we're, we're seeing less investment in technology. Uh, I think actually think consultancies like ourselves and technology houses have a real role, role to play here. I think that we can change the business model a little bit. I think we can look at things like financing innovation, um, software as a service type models and renting technology. Ultimately, where we, we, we should get to is being able to use technology on a contingent fee or outcome-based uh, outcome based model. Do, do you agree with that, Paul? Yeah, I, I'll pick up on that, but take it to a higher level above the technology. I think there's a lot we can learn from other industries which have made their processes leaner and more efficient. Uh, employing just-in-time delivery, for example, for site deliveries could make a huge difference. Logistics is just one of those sectors where project teams could learn a lot from what's happening in, in other marketplaces. Combine that with off-site fabrication, you take away the need for lengthy on-site processes and you can dramatically improve both predictability and productivity in the industry. I guess from an industry point of view, one of the issues is that a lot of these firms are one-man bands, so to speak, or there's a very high rate of self-employment. Um, the latest stats from the ONS suggest over 80% of firms operate as single traders. Paul, how would a less fragmented and more integrated structure benefit project delivery uh, and the industry as a whole? I mean, I've mentioned other industries. Um, the construction sector is way more fragmented than most other sectors, and UK construction is even more fragmented than that in other countries. Um, and we have higher levels of subcontracting than you'd see on the continent, for example. Put it into context, you know, on a typical large building project, around £25 million capital value, a main contractor might be managing around 70 subcontracts, many of them worth less than £50,000 each. A quarter of uh, tier two contracts are, uh, are valued at under £10,000. And many day-to-day -day construction uh, work packages are delivered by companies at tier three or, or below. So what does this mean for the construction industry? This fragmentation means construction basically incurs high costs. There's, there are more transactions, more interfaces to manage. Um, that means more management input, more management coordination of site activities. And you've got fewer opportunities if you don't control those supply chains to drive out waste or reduce costs. Well, Colin, is fragmentation actually a problem? Well, it's certainly a problem, and, and I, you know, clearly these costs that that Paul has outlined and these inefficiencies they exist. Um, there are upsides though to fragmentation. I mean, um, often it's it's a client's desire for bespoke and um, individual solutions that tends to support a fragmented industry model. Um, and also, don't forget some of the tech that we're talking about here is designed to help a little bit. So common data standards and open and sh open shared models um, all should help take away some of the friction between these smaller firms. But the problem is that we, we can't expect these smaller firms and sole traders to invest at the same level and, and be as digitally capable. Um, what I feel is that we need more products that are designed to disaggregate some of the complexity in, in the technology market, disaggregate some of the BIM data, for example, and allow these smaller and less digitally advanced firms be able to integrate with the project and larger firms, but ultimately using the same data. Yeah, a, a lot of firms within the construction sector seem to be quite nervous with technology evolving, et cetera, like that. Um, Paul, you mentioned how construction is more fragmented than other industries. Looking at other industries, maybe manufacturing or aerospace, are there any particular lessons we can take from these and apply to our own? 
Indeed, I think we can. I think we can learn lots of lessons for what happens in sectors like the automotive and, and aerospace sectors. They're structurally much less fragmented. Their, their supply chains are more joined up, more integrated. They invest more in IT, so they're much more digitized and, and, and connected together. Um, they invest more in R&D, um, so they tend to be a lot more innovative uh, in, in how they work. And they're working on products which tend to be more standardized and manufactured to higher levels of quality. This all means, I think, that we've got to be thinking about new service models, um, learning from organisations like Rolls-Royce. I mean, they don't manufacture aero engines as such now. They provide thrust to their customers. They're contracted to provide power by the hour, uh, the phrase that's sometimes used. And they get revenues so long as their products, their aero engines, perform to the agreed targets. So therefore, they're uh, delivering products that um, meet their customers' needs, maybe even exceed them, that they're more reliable, and they can be operated and maintained efficiently. Are we seeing any examples like this within the construction and capital project sector? We're beginning to see it happen now. Um, some contractors are now looking at what we call servitization, uh, delivering assets as a service, adopting a Rolls-Royce style approach and delivering a whole life solution um, rather than just a product. This means they're getting greater financial stability because they've got long-term contracts, which mean regularly, regularly recurring revenue, and they're building stronger and longer-term customer relationships than, than we customarily, customarily see in construction. I really think that Rolls-Royce example is a, is a standout example as to how new ways of working can be sort of embraced by an industry. Colin, are, are there ways in which we could be harnessing technology in an improved manner and possibly looking at new models of delivery or procurement within uh, capital projects as a whole? Well, there's no question, yeah. I mean, we, we can't have um, a step change in technology without, without change in organisation and structure. I think what we really need to see is more innovation in operating model design, procurement approach. To give you an idea, I think, I think now we're seeing projects with the issues we've discussed, like fragmentation, um, where we have um, huge complexity in data, and a lot of cost in managing that, uh, we see a role, a potential role for a project data broker, someone who sits independently from the main players of the project, would be the custodian for that project data and manage and essentially lease the digital tools needed right through the life cycle and give those out at an appropriate level to each user involved. Um, I think that, that function, if it was responsible for providing that, the, you know, the control of that data and indeed actually driving the benefits and the efficiencies that should be gained from that, that would ultimately fund the function and really start to drive adoption of these technologies in the industry. That's very interesting, the project data broker role. Um, Paul, have you come across any um, areas within this field? Well, Owen, you mentioned new models of procurement. Uh, the UK government has been pushing um, some new approaches, cost-led procurement, two-stage open book, integrated project insurance, for example. These are all push, uh, pushes to, to reduce commercial risk. Um, clients can define what they want, not just in terms of the built asset requirement, but also things like carbon reduction and uh, employment of apprentices and, and, and better training. Um, they can look at um, setting their supply chain some stretch targets um, so that um, the project teams are rewarded for delivering value, um, perhaps not just on a single project, but over a whole series of, of projects or programs of work. And we're working, and those clients are working with their supply chains um, with, on principles of early contractor involvement and uh, better supply chain integration. 
the cabinet office that sort of summarizes all these benefits up as as what it does for the uk economy it, it it creates efficiency gains that can be released for additional work it means we've got more employment and more industry activity we make more may make the projects more affordable and fundable and it ultimately makes the uk construction industry much more competitive well clearly the view of the government then is to shake things up have these changes been largely positive Broadly, they've been positive. We're not going to see uh, overnight change. We're going to see some growing pains while the industry adapts to the new ways of working and invests in the tools and processes to help. But the end result is going to be an industry that's going to be more competitive, more profitable. It's going to be more attractive to work in, great for attracting uh, new recruits into an industry facing skills crises. And it'll mean an industry which has a reputation for quality and efficiency among its customers. And I think that's a positive note to end it on. Um, thank you, uh, Colin and Paul, for some very insightful comments. And thank you all at home for listening. Um, please keep an eye out for our next episode in early November, in which we will explore the influence of the Internet of Things on capital projects as a whole. For more insights from us on harnessing the advantages of technology and on reimagining capital projects, please visit pwc.co.uk forward slash reimagine. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts to get all our latest episodes. And please don't forget to rate and review. Again, thank you all for listening.